Hey, welcome to Mark's Music Loft. This is Mark. I'm here with a long-term friend, John, who uh, has decided to join the podcast and chat about music and other stuff. Right, John? Uh, that is uh, that is correct. As uh, as Mark said, you know, we have known each other for a while. A little bit of background. Um, we are. I'm not going to give last names. Uh, we are. We're in our fifties. And uh, why? Why did? Why did? Well, okay. Go well, ahead. I, I could give last names if you'd like. No. But, why uh, the fifties? Why the numbers? Well, only because it provides a context for. If we're going to talk about music, people need to know, especially people who were born after 1980. Maybe they need to know what era this was was coming out of. So if we're going to be talking about stuff that we listen to. Uh, and it was Leslie West. If people don't know who Leslie West is, and they didn't grow up at that time, okay, no relevance. All right, I'm just thinking about that. Fine, we're old. Okay, All right. so I, I'm sorry to disturb you with that. So, uh, what do we? Uh, you had called me earlier in the week, or sent me a text, and you said, "Why don't you think about some of the some of the fav- favorite albums that you had growing up?" Yeah, you and asked. So I, uh, I I went through the the list, and there's there's the standard stuff. Listen, everybody likes the wall. Um, everybody likes that type of stuff, uh, Credence or the baloney. But I went all the way back into the the depths of the uh, of the music background to throw some things at you uh, and get your 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 observations on. All right, go ahead. Ready? Okay. Tokyo tapes, Scorpions. It's okay. That's it. It's okay. Yeah, I like I like the Scorpions. I think they're good. You gotta look at the so look at the way I look at the world. Rudolf Schenker, great guitar player, right? I like Michael Schenker. I like Michael Schenker group better. That doesn't mean they are better, but do I think Tokyo? Would I think Tokyo tapes ahead of Made in Japan by Deep Purple? No friggin' way. But, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that. But was, good yeah. album and Klaus Klaus Mein. Yeah, the way he. I think uh, this was pre, uh, you know, Winds of Change and all that. Totally. Yeah, and, and they were a lot raw, a lot more raw in the sound. Um, I think they were great. The yeah. sound quality, it, even itself, is crappy. It's not great on the record, but um, I thought it was, again, it was a lot more Decent, raw. very decent. Yeah. Okay, but we got a, a, good, uh, a good review on that one. Uh, here's another one. Uh, Unleashed in the East, Judas Priest. Yeah, man, Judas Priest, like Judas Priest, mostly stay in their, uh, I mean, probably early 80s stuff. By the way, what year was that? Uh, most of these are 77 and 78. Yeah, so those that was, those were decent albums. I know Roger Glover from Deep Purple produced at least one or both of them, not sure. But um, I thought they were, they had, they had more, they had a good classic rock sound as opposed to a very produced metal sound. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why everyone gave that label of new wave of heavy metal in the early 80s just because whatever the focus changed the production changed but i knew they were that that was a those are solid rock albums yeah and uh you know most of these are live too because um i just i tend to like the live albums because um like with a lot of other bands they have a lot more uh, there's a lot more energy in these things if you do it right i think i think so i mean a lot of people go i hate live albums listen no. you know what here's my answer to that you haven't heard enough live albums right when there's an instant i hate live albums i i go your music collection must be so small so live albums can be great they can be bad some have over some don't but i mean as far as the classic metal stuff um you know produced by like martin birch and that kind of stuff i'm i'm, I'm all about it all right well, here's one I know you're not going to like, but you might, you know, might have something nice to say about it. Something that got really heavy rotational play in my room in, in Whitestone, Queens, uh, in the late 1970s. Double Live Gonzo by Ted Nugent. 
I don't say I don't like it. I just didn't listen to enough of it. But I heard of Ted Nugent, I liked. Um, but I didn't listen to him like you did. You were way onto him. You thought he, but you know what? Now he's known for his persona, right? He he's known as a guy who shoots arrows at people and does crazy things. My brother, who did work in radio, was backstage once for a show at Jones Beach. I think it was Damn Yankees, and he went. He was shooting uh, arrows. And security came. At, at who? Well, he was at the. He was. It was his warm up for his gig. And security. And and when security failed to stop him, Ron Delsner himself came back and had to say stop. Wow. And okay. it was uh, so. So what I heard of him, I think, is okay. I'm not. I. I I'm not going to talk outside of my depth. Listen, right. he made an impression on you. That's cool. Uh, do you want to? Uh, do you want to touch on uh, on your brother's uh, past? Uh, uh, not without him. Not without signing a, disclo- no, no, no. a disclosure. I can't. <laughs> no, I mean just what he did for a living, which kind of gives us. He was a musician who did who did radio uh, production right. which and promotion. Radio station you were that? Uh, WBAB. Right. For those of you who don't know, uh, there was a time in um, I guess in the seventies and the eighties where BAB was extremely well known in Long Island. Uh, it was uh, maybe, uh, and you correct me if you think this is off off, off the mark. It was a almost a competitor. The WNEW. Yeah, I would say so, but I also thought it had things that it was, it was better than NEW. Right. NEW just got, had more, uh, more listeners because it was more of a New York City station. Right. BAB more of a Long Island station. BAB did a lot of things right. I think over the years when they after bankruptcy and things like that, maybe their format became of less interest to me, but. Back in the day, they were definitely playing some cool stuff. Right, and that's uh, you know at the time when I was in college in the early '80s, uh, BAB was was very big. They pushed a lot of stuff at the, at the Hofstra campus, and um, I, I thought that they were uh, they were a little bit more cutting edge and everything else was out there. Anyway, so but your brother worked there. Yeah. Okay. So and like you said, without him here, let's not can't sign the just got disclosure signed. Let's not let's not invoke his his memory then. Uh, okay, so next, next on the heavy rotation schedule, here's uh, here's another one, uh, Thin Lizzy, Live and Dangerous. Ultimate, awesome live album, a must. There's only two kinds of people, people that know and like that album and don't. Now, it's not bad if you don't and don't know it, but once you have heard it, you deny that album, we got problems. Yeah. Everything is right about that album. By the way, a recent release of that album... Uh, at least in digital format, has bonus cuts. Oh, really? I, I have I have heard. It's very good. Just like Song Remains the Same from Zeppelin has like five to seven extra cuts. Live and Dangerous from Thin Lizzy has, I think it has at least two or three. And that's a solid, solid, solid live album. One of the most underrated bands in hard rock. Did you hear there's a movie coming out? I'll watch that more. You know what? Why, why should I even ask that no, question? I didn't, no, no, no. I, I, I heard about a movie, right. but I, I think people won't love it as much as a Queen movie because it's going to be too cool. Everyone's like, what do you mean by that? Queen is cool. Yeah, Queen's great. Uh, Freddie Mercury's great. But thin, but Phil Linnett is a triple threat. Mm. A bass guitarist, a singer, a band leader, furious player, and also... A, a heroin know, addict. Oh, that was that was that was that was a problem. It was one of his, it's his what, occupations. It's what it's what it's what wiped him out. But I yeah. I think as far as being a rocker, he was one of a kind. I mean, think about it. he's African American. Not he's African American because he's in Ireland. So how's it African Irish guy? <laughs> and he he changed that market. By the way, I'll leave you with this on on my Thin Lizzy thoughts because there are many. Is um, there was a period when uh, Deep Purple had their first breakdown in, in 72, 73. 
And uh, Richie Blackmore was going to leave the group. He was rehearsing with Phil Lynott and Ian Pace from Purple and was going to form a power trio as, right. a, as a big, hey, I'm leaving. And then he get, Richie Blackmore, like, uh, you know, the way he was, got his way. He kicked out Ian Gillen and Roger Glover and threw in Glenn Hughes, threw in David Coverdale, and it was a band never to be. Somehow or another, all roads lead back to uh, lead back to Blackmore. That's okay. That's yeah, not well, a bad road. I, I guess. Uh, he's been around. Not a bad road at all. No, no, uh, a lot of work, um, you know. Otherwise, other than commercialized Coverdale, um, that's which, you, that, which came later. That, that that's because you're unfamiliar with his Purple period. Is I that know, fair? I know. Yes, no. I'm saying. Is it, when I mean, he was call, great until he was commercial. Well, okay, I'll live with that because that's opinion. But when people do not like, there are people walking the earth going, "I didn't know David Coverdale was a lead singer for Deep Purple." Massive problem with that. As long as they're not lighting off uh, pyrotechnics and burning people alive in, in Rhode Island, I guess they're okay. Uh, are you referring to the, the, the Great White incident? Yeah, the, that's yeah. too much of a reach for people that don't even know who Great White is and don't even know and, about and the incident. Nor should they know who And Great it's White an American is. band at that, so... Okay. But I'll let that extrapolation go. Yeah. Go ahead. By the way, just, uh, just as a throwback to something that came to mind... Um, Judas Priest, now they're not doing commercials now, but uh, Judas Priest is playing the Paramount in Huntington. Uh, they're like three shows, um, and I gotta tell you, very, very depressing to me. That's where you end up. Well, you know what though? At least Rob Halford has kept his vocal power. Everybody, the other guitar players, of course you zone out and you get old and you can't tour and things like that, but it's funny, Rob Halford, who was kicked out of the band, he gets the last laugh. And by the way, the last two pre-studio albums were actually decent. As far as decent and you like them and they're good, that's all you need. I didn't need them to, to reinvent music. They were, they were decent albums. You just notice when something is less than decent. You notice it really fast. So they've been through uh, some other, you know, they, they've had to replace the guitar players. They're letting, uh, what's his name, jump out on the tour here and there. One of uh, K.K. Downing. Okay. I think they're letting him show up at different things based on his health, limited health, and he's been accommodating on that. So I don't. Know. Well, if you it, somehow or another the the Paramount, the only place you can go after the Paramount is you end up at Foxwoods or Mohegan Sun. Um, I think that's where Rat is these days. I know about a train wreck. Everybody rips on the Paramount and and Westbury Music Fair, right? Yes. But the fact is, I've actually seen I've seen decent stuff at. I don't know if I went to the Paramount, to be honest, but I've definitely got a Westbury Music Fair. I saw Deep Purple at the Westbury Music Fair in 2014. Uh, right, so it was remnants of... of no, 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 no. It was, it was the solid act with Steve Morse on guitar that's been around since for years. It's just that you're going to play different markets. Whitesnake played there. They did the Purple Tribute. So when people say, uh-oh, once you play there, you're a, you're a husband. Here's my answer. Maybe. Because when I look at the... At the talent that plays there, I see new, I see old people from Long Island, whatever. They they just want people to just come and visit them. Oh, at uh, I saw Satriani. What's the college on in? Uh, oh, LIU. No, no, no. What's the What's the other college in? Uh, uh, whatever it is in, in North Long Island, I saw Satriani there. Yeah, that was, uh, the, uh, you're talking about CW, the old CW, CW Post. Post. Yes, yeah, LIU. I right. saw I uh, so I saw uh, Joe Satriani there. That was. That was just like a whatever show, and I went to it. It was very, it was good, but you know, two hours of Satriani can wear you out a little bit, no matter how much you love them. Uh, that was the case when I went to see uh, Guns N' Roses 
Three well, hours was a three-hour marathon. I don't see unnecessary. The, I don't see the comparison. Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> three hours of anything or two hours of anything is going to drive you bananas. Well, that's that's your uh, your brother just just saying, hey, you have to go see this with me. Had he not asked you, you would have been spared. But the, here's the thing. But I'm, it was a, but it was a good show. Look, I'm not I'm not a big Guns and Noses, uh, Guns and Roses yeah, and nuts. But anyway, they're okay. But here's where I go nuts. John would go out and see Guns N' Roses, but there are other acts that he might have skipped that Foster Pass. But yeah, you know Foster Pass. The other the other element to this, and this is this could be another topic uh, for another day, is the uh, the decline and fall of live music venues in New York City. Um, there used to be a lot more interesting places um, that don't really don't exist anymore. Places where you could go like a, like a, a decent sized room, like the Bottom Line, which was nice. You can, but you got to go to Brooklyn in some cases, oh. and you got to go to. The thing is, the bottom line w- was a great place. I, I remember. I mean, I've seen different things there, um, and it was comfortable and well known. Now, once a venue like that's gone, then your your reference to location is gone. So, as drugstores and banks take over all the real estate, right. you've got places in Brooklyn where you're like, where, "Where the hell is this? Where's this place?" And uh, I've seen some interesting stuff out there. I saw a Ja Wobble, who was from the original Public Image Limited, in a small place I'd never heard of in Brooklyn. It was a great show. Played a little bit of Public Image Limited, played his solo stuff, did this. It was an entertaining show in a place I never went to. This was about five months ago. But honestly, if I didn't just happen to peel that off of Facebook, I don't know if I would have uh, known about it. So I think they're becoming less classic and you're going to have to pay more to go to the places you used to go, whether that be Town Hall the garden mm-hmm. and um, places like the the Iridium are great, but you get a strap in for what was it like thirty five dollars to see act. But you're gonna you're gonna get hit with your your food and beverage. By the time you walk out of there, you maybe you have your hundred dollar well, night. That's, that's kind of the thing right now, especially if it's in Manhattan because they got to pay the rent too. And it's not like a CBGB's type of thing where they let you in for three bucks and then then you're done. They, they got to pay. New York City is not what it what it was. Uh, the, uh, the the city itself. There's no property anywhere that's cheap to get into. Nope. So no, and and so it's it's so live music is becoming an expensive uh, episode to see bands. If you want to see things for m- less money, they're going to be in sparse places. Mm-hmm. They're going to be littered somewhere in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, or something. And to a degree, that's that that's fine, but. The fact that you're gonna have to pay, like Morrissey's playing Broadway for three hundred dollars a night. Well, yeah, well, that's what, what is started that baloney, right? Right. Um, it's 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 a it's a big jump to say, okay, I went to see this guy for fifty bucks or twenty five bucks or whatever, and then jumping up. So the venues have changed. They have. So right, what so other album getting, do you want to ask yes, me? Getting, I, I, getting back to this to, is great for digression. Al- yes, album mania. Uh, so switching gears a little bit, something else that got uh, that got heavy play. Uh, of course, the first Van Halen. Yeah, nineteen seventy-eight. Uh, I think that was a unique music sound at the time. Uh, we had been bombarded with uh, with Ozzy and Ozzy rewinds and people who were trying to be Ozzy, and then uh, that was a different sound. That was like uh, about the L.A. sound, the California sound. It was a, it was a very different sound in many ways, and some and and you know, since some people never liked it. I like. I think when I first heard Van Halen, how it struck me was I heard good guitar and something that's different than classic rock in England. It sounded fun. Yeah, that's a hard thing to get in at that for that time because 
everything was so serious for, you know, I was, listen, I like Black Sabbath, I like Deep Purple, I like all that stuff. So when I heard uh, David Lee Roth singing, he was, he, he didn't, he sounded like he was just having a good time with a beer in his hand and a girl in the other. And uh, the guitar was playing and the song structures were respectable and the, the solos and all that stuff caught attention. So it was different in that way. I'd, I'd have a much lighter head listening to Van Halen than I would listening to any other band that I love that includes Rush or anybody else. Uh, which brings me to, uh, thank you for the tie-in there, which brings me to my next next record selection, Moving Pictures. Boom! Wow. Entrance point for uh, Rush for me, in my because of my age at the time, I think I was like 11 or 12, and um, that album, great. Now, I, and listen, I get, I love 2112 and Farewell to Kings and Hemispheres and I love Permanent Waves, but what I liked about Moving Pictures was it was uh, an entrance point. Yes, they did shorter songs. Every song on that album really cooks, but they also were doing videos. at the t- I was introduced to them by staying up 12.30 at night on some video show on a Friday, and my brother showed me. They played three in a row. They played Tom Sawyer, Limelight, and Vital Signs. I was sold. I was done. I was like buying Moving Pictures the next day. Well, you know, it's uh, talk about digression. That that brings up something else. For those of you who don't uh, know what life was like prior to the internet, uh, back in those days, this is pre-MTV. The best thing that you had in the 1970s was Don Kirshner's rock concert, which was on on a Saturday night. I think it was right after Saturday Night Live. So you had to stay up late, and then you had to keep your fingers crossed that there was some decent band on there. It was not that the pina colada guy, uh, whatever it was, you know, that... Uh, they would get on. This is welcome to Don Conscious Rock Concert, uh, and you know some of the stuff. That's the first time I saw Van Halen. That was the first Van Halen video. So I missed on some of the Don Kirshner stuff based on well, you're like my brother's age, so there's a little difference. So I wouldn't have seen everything. But you know, King Crimson was on that stuff. It was there were like right. massive people on on that show and other shows. But I think around '80 there was a show called uh, Hollywood Heartbeat, hosted by Bob Welch, who used to be in. Fleetwood Mac and you know what they showed in a half hour that's why genres are very different so they would say hey look here's Genesis Misunderstanding here's Ultravox here's Rush and then they would say here's Dire Straits and by the way here's uh, another new wave band and and your mind as you hear music you're not really ready to go okay that's metal okay that's rock that's classic rock okay that's new wave you just heard it as music and you liked what it. What channel videos, was this on? Uh, it was like Channel 4, Channel 2, Channel 5, one of the, just a regular channel. What was it on? It was on Friday nights at like 12.30. Yeah, of course, right. And then there was, a, there was, so there was Hollywood Heartbeat and there was another video show besides Kirshner. But that's where I was getting my stuff from. My brother was saying, hey, come on, stay up. And uh, I saw some cool, so videos at the time, non-MTV, and, and since we're broadcasting from... Queens, New York. At that time, there was no cable in Queens, New York. Until oh, well, there was Wometco Home Theater. Yes, I had that. Uh, you, you had to get it pumped in from New Jersey through uh, a box that was semi-quasi-legal slash illegal because you were paying them. It's just that New York was like, well, you you know, maybe you can't... I don't know. You can't have it. You can't have it. But I... But that was the access. The access back then was was just you know getting it from New Jersey. Now that was uh, that was very early on in uh, in the pay TV type thing. Uh, and what it was is like Mark says, you have to have a box. You had to buy this box, which is basically it it, it translated this uh, this uh, this radio signal, this TV signal that came in from uh, from Jersey. And if you turned on, the, it was like on channel seventy five or something. You had a sixty eight. Sixty eight. That's right. Channel sixty eight. <laughs> But the thing of it was, they used to show adult films at night, 
And what you would do if you were enterprising, like myself, you would go downstairs and put 68 on, even if you didn't have the Wometco box. You could, every once in a while, the picture would stabilize for like a second and a half. Sure. And you got to see something. And at that age, you know, that was exciting. I Very exciting. I yes. might have been, it might have been, it might have been subdivided to 67 at some point, because then U68 became its own channel full of videos for a while. And that was cool. And oh. needless to say, uh, Time Warner Cable showed up and uh, that, that Wometco thing was dead. But Very dead. Uh, so we got away from television. Okay, next. Hey, could you stop making us sound so old? Yeah. <laughs> Everything well, is, well, you may not remember. Every sentence doesn't have to start with, well, you may not know this. I said something to somebody the other day. I said, you know, that guy reminds me of, of Goma Pyle, and the guy didn't know who the hell it was. Oh, Peter, Peter Tork. Yeah. So I, 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 I don't know if there's a way of referencing it without sounding old. Without sounding, okay. I haven't, I don't know exactly how, but I know one thing. Eliminate that sentence. Eliminate that of, thing. I'm older than you, son. <laughs> So, and if you don't know who Peter Talk is... And we don't uh, need any podcast to begin with age reference immediately. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm not going to show a driver's license uh, in, in the podcast. No. But I'm sure you have another album you want to say. Uh, yes. The Cars. Yeah, man. Cars were instant, instant interesting because they were definitely pop music, but really tasteful pop music. If you think about... A lot of things in that band. Number one, the use of keyboards in a way that's very tasteful. Like everyone likes keyboards, but in the '80s, when synthes when Moogs became more synthesizers began to rule the day a bit, the Cars were a band that could take their guitar, bass, drums, make it work, make it sexy. Right? You I mean first album got a woman on it, second album Candio, and Greg Hawks was a really good keyboard player. But they also had like Rick Kasich did vocals. Right. You had uh, what's the other guy's Benjamin name? Benjamin Orr. Benjamin Orr, who died. Who yeah. died. Right. He, I mean, and we know about that. But the thing is, both both guys um, did did really nice vocal uh, vocals back and forth, and um, but it was pop music. It wasn't trying to be something else. It was never ever, but it succeeded because one thing: tasteful, tasteful writing, and tasteful use of uh, technology. Okay, now this is a. Um... This is a tip of the hat to uh, to my brother, who is um, is a big uh, Jethro Tull guy. Uh, I never was. I don't uh, know why. Why were you not? I, it was okay. But it's it not was, okay. No, no, wait, wait. wait. It was, for me, you know, you know why? Because you're a prog rock guy. No, no. So See, that. and if Ian Anderson were here, he hits you over the head with a flute. Uh, no, well, he that's didn't all like he prog has rock. Left. Well, you know, but he doesn't like it so much. He plays it. Look, I hope your brother can hear this broadcast because I'll do a I'll do a furious defense. No, I'm sure. No, I'm not attacking. I'm okay. just saying. Do do tell us what it's, your thought is. I'm just is. saying. Jethro Tull was okay to and me. It was okay for you. It was okay to for me. You. Yes. Okay. But it wasn't. Uh, you know. But but again, from my perspective, my 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 frame of reference is, to me, I was more like an Iggy, and the Stooges guy. I would rather see something a little less pretentious. You know. Now, I use the word pretentious, he's going to uh, I'm going to go nuts. Here we go, I knew it. Okay, so are you done with that opening? I, that's it. You okay. Can, you, can, you, can, you can opine. All right, anybody freaking listening to this. Here's, here's, a, here's an easy thing. Guess what? Unlike you, John, I saw Iggy Pop and Jethro Tull live. And guess what? They're distinctly different. And guess what? There's no law passed in any legislature saying you can't like both. I, I didn't say I didn't like them. And, 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 and I didn't like them. they're different. They're yes. different. They're just different. different. So, Iggy... Right? Listen, I love the Stooges, right? I, I can listen to Iggy, but Iggy Pop wasn't... He had a lot of... You know what's interesting? Iggy had a, has a lot of uh, interests in jazz, in different kinds of music. Now, 
the fact that he doesn't want to execute it and do it and do his thing is not a slap down. Ian Anderson, where is he from? Everyone's like, oh, he's a complicated guy. He's prog rock. Wrong. Right. A guy that knows the blues, right? And was trying to work a little folk thing. He didn't even want to play the flute. He just didn't have an instrument to play. And he fell into the flute. Now, if you listen to early Tull, what do you really hear? You hear blues. Now everyone goes, I like blues because it's not all pretentious. Like, no, what happens when guys become better players or they begin to explore, you're going to end up in different um, just areas where you're going to play different kinds of chords and you're going to play different kinds of things. And eventually, hey, John, what are you kicking my bass guitar no, for? No, I'm trying to get this out of the way so I don't destroy it. What did I tell you before the podcast? I said, do you want said, me to you move want to it? Move it? I said, no, it's all right. Well, so it's all right. It's still gonna, here. We got to move it's it because my thought process on Tull is going well, off. I was going to say, first of all, you, you already got your blood pressure up because of the Jethro Tull thing. Yeah, but Tull are Plus, awesome. I can know. My, my brother's probably losing his hair now. Tull, but Tull, Tull is awesome. But think about this. But Ian Anderson, and, and I've had guys say really dumb things. Well, I like I this. Okay, they go, I like Black Sabbath. I go, then what the hell was Tony Iommi doing playing in Jethro Tull? And I give him a smackdown, and I go, and by the way, I re- you read Iommi's book, and he goes like this. He goes, the best thing I did was take a break from Sabbath, because I did. I, I thought I knew what I was doing, and I worked in Tull, and he goes, man, he goes, Ian Anderson taught me what it was like to be on time, run a band, and he goes, and eventually he got fired, because he's like, listen, I need you to step it up. And, uh, he was just hanging around with us. Iomi was like, well, Iomi's like, uh, okay, I'll try. And then eventually, you know, he went back to Sabbath, but he reflected on that as, wow, what a great dose of professionalism. So you need to listen to more Tull is the no, answer. No, no. See, I'm glad that's a good tie-in. No, no question on, on musicianship, obviously. Now, where things kind of moved around a little bit, my son got into vinyl about a year ago. I don't know why, but... I, well, because that was, that's a thing. So he wanted to do that. He went out, he got himself a turntable. Anyway, um, so he got into vinyl and he decided if he's going to start doing this, I got to buy him something that's decent so he can listen to, so he doesn't listen to Bat Out of Hell. I had to listen to 900 million versions of Bat Out of Hell and Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. So I found, uh, I think it was with you, as a matter of fact. Were we downtown and I found a, I found a Thick as a Brick? Uh, no, Aqualung. Was I with you? Aqualung. Oh, Aqualung, you're right, correct. And you also uh, gave him Moody Blues. And yes, Water. Moody Blues never made it to the turntable. Of course not. Yeah, and, well, and Aqualung, I had to fight, kicking and screaming to get him to listen to it. There's no reason, Finally. there's no reason to put Meatloaf before Aqualung. And he did that, and I berated him for it. Now, did he, did he not get Machine Head from Deep Purple? Did that not happen? I believe I thought that uh, happened. That did. There was something else. Why would uh, that not take precedence? Uh, that was okay. I didn't hear it though. I didn't hear it coming out of his room. But I did hear Tull, which I heard increasingly, and I started to hear more Tull than Meatloaf. And I thought, okay, at least we're moving in a good direction. But you know what? Why can't we just accept the fact that people have different vocabulary? So here's the thing for Anna Anderson, and this is why I don't like. Like I'm a big into punk guy, so I really despise it when people can't see the connections. Not not because they can't see it, like I can and they can't. But what I'm saying is, people do their thing. Now I think this for Iggy. Iggy's done a lot of experimental stuff that people don't even pay attention to because he's a curious human being. He did uh, he did this thing with this guy Ryushi Sakamoto. Well, he did all kind of work with Bowie. But that's not experimental so much. I mean, he did a, he did this like jazz trio thing the other the other year. He's a curious individual, and that's all I say about these podcasts is if you're not curious, you're dead. You're dead to the world, and you don't even like like why even listen to this. So when you got a guy like Ian Anderson who goes, "Wow, I know how to write a lot." Like, why should he write less? Why should he do less? 
just because someone said, well, I don't like it, or I don't have the mental faculties. No, that's, that's his thing. That's his music. So but it, it, it's okay to like different things, obviously. But when I hear when I hear good talent marginal, and, and don't worry, I do it too. There's people out there with talent that I marginalize, and I go, ah, I don't like it. But uh, I think that Jethro Tull definitely has a working man's perspective on one end. And sure, it has some medieval stuff that you might not care about on the other. But I think for FM rock, there's enough Jethro Tull that you can listen to that, you know, it's good. But if people don't dig it, whatever. All right, I won't go crazy further on Tull because I can go all freaking day. Yeah, that's a whole topic for uh, for for another session there. So uh, that was uh, that was some of the things that came out um, back in um, back in the. Uh, oh, I, I'm not going to date these. Thank you. Upset. It, uh, Thank well, you. It, it was in the past somewhere. Um, so I don't know if we uh, we want to touch on anything else. For this one, maybe not. But this was a good start to give just some fleshing out. You asked me some things. I give you some opinions on it. For anyone on, uh, how, for using your age reference, for anyone, for anyone under a certain age reference, they're going to go, I don't even know what most of that stuff is. But you know what? That's kind of sad because if you think you're clever and you have a lot of technology in your hand and you know how to use a playlist in Spotify or whatever, why wouldn't you go look up stuff? Well, that's the whole point. Music is much more available now than it was. Right. It's, it is Way ridiculous. It's ridiculous how easy and how free it is. And for idiots that say, oh, I'm bored with certain music, you know where I get the last laugh? When I see freaking Kanye West use King Crimson, 21st century schizoid man in the song Power, that's where I get the last laugh. Because I when they go, well, you don't understand. Listen, your relevance means nothing. Talent is talent. If that guy, if you, oh, maybe now people don't like him. Who knows? I don't really care. But there's relevance in... Good music, go find it. That's how I leave this. Okay. All right. That's where we're at.